Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sofen. Here at the Smart Firefighting Podcast, we bring practical innovation to life for first responders. We break down the research roadmap for smart firefighting, published in 2015 by the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST. We bring in entrepreneurs, fire chiefs, thought leaders, and really smart people to bring you value around innovation in smart firefighting. Make sure to follow us on social media and let us know what you think. Community risk reduction. What is it and why is it important to you? Well, luckily, today we got Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction from the city of Charlottesville, Joe Powers, to tell you about what is community risk reduction and how it can be applied to get us to think differently about safety where we're not just talking about the loss that happens in our community, but talk about the good. Talk about how community investment can really be proactive to making everyone safer. Joe's gonna mention how we need to start with a risk assessment to make sure that we are looking at the risk in our community and not just taking a one size fits all and hoping that it'll work. For anyone looking to get involved with CRR, make sure to check out the links in the bio and connect with Joe offline. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed creating it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Really stoked and excited to be here today with the Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction from the city of Charlottesville, Joe Powers. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I'm super excited, too. I, I appreciate you inviting me here and kind of highlighting some of the stuff that uh, that we're doing in the city of Charlottesville and talking about, I guess, talking about community risk reduction. Yes, yeah, so community risk reduction, CRR, is a term that I feel like is often misunderstood and also not talked about enough. So for those of us that don't really know what is community risk reduction, in your words, what is community risk reduction? <laughs> let's start off, let's talk about what I think community risk reduction is not, because I think that's the easiest way to talk about it. And you know, for so long, community risk reduction has been, this attachment to the fire marshal's office has been a, a name change for the Fire Prevention Bureau, has been the change within organizations that they, they changed the name of a, of a door from, from fire prevention to community risk reduction, and really never took any any farther steps, you know, maybe other than a business card, right? So community risk reduction is really not the fire marshal's office, and it's really not public education or fire prevention or code enforcement. However, all of that that I just said can be implemented and can, can take part within community risk reduction if we do it the right way. So really, for me, community risk reduction is is matching resources to risk, right? It's providing the programs and the services based on the needs of the community. Now, based on the needs of the city of Charlottesville, we need code enforcement. So we deploy, you know, fire marshals to do code enforcement investigations and plans review, but we're doing that in a risk-based way. You know, we're doing in uh, fire inspections using a community risk assessment to define what we should be inspecting and what we shouldn't be inspecting because like everybody else, we don't have a good means of doing all of the inspections inspections within the city that we really, really want to do. So we, we do it as, as efficiently as possible. And that's, you know, that's one of those side effects of community risk reduction is, is being focused in providing the right programs and services to the community. And you become very efficient. You start to decrease your workload. And I think that's a lot of the essence of community risk reduction. You know, a lot of times it's not, and why I always say it's not the fire marshals or fire prevention. You know, for the city of Charlottesville, it's, you know, looking at how people behave, you know, looking at what the environment that kids are in when they come home from school and maybe their parents aren't home. You know, looking at how, why, uh, you know, where people are getting hit by cars, 
you know, because we're a large bicycle and pedestrian community where people are getting hit by cars and engaging in those locations or engaging with the population that uses those locations. So it's it's way beyond, you know, traditional mindset. It's all about thinking differently. And, you know, and to me, that's what community risk reduction is all about. Thanks for that context. And I liked what you said, matching resources to risk based on needs of community. And obviously the needs in Charlottesville is probably quite different than Madison, Wisconsin, from Seattle to rural village in Kansas. They're all different needs. And from that mindset of needing to meet the local community's needs, how do you start with kind of knowing where to start? Do you have to do kind of a look yourself in the mirror and, and ask yourself what is the biggest problem and, and, and kind of what, what drives even like knowing where to start to start implementing some type of CRR program? Yeah, the best way to start, I mean, the, the only way you can start within community risk reduction is using a risk assessment. And risk assessments are always like, uh, people think of it as, oh my gosh, that's such a bear. I'm not, you know, I don't have the resources to do it. I don't have, I don't have all of these data people. I don't have all of the staff to do a risk assessment. And a risk assessment's not bad. You know, I always, I always think of a risk assessment as, it's almost like a fruit basket, right? You know, the, a fruit basket, you know, you don't start with you know, all the apples and oranges and, and bananas and the pretty bow, you know, you start with an apple right? And you put the apple in the fruit basket. And that's a part of a community risk assessment. So the way that we started in Charlottesville is the very first thing that I did is I wanted to understand cooking fires in the city of Charlottesville, because we have a, a high student population from the University of Virginia. And we also have a, a large residential community of almost 50,000. So I wanted to understand commu- or, um, cooking fires. So that was my first apple. And then my banana that I added in there was looking at people um, you know, it, the intersections where people were getting hit by cars most often. And then we took all of our data for the last five years and started looking at it from a neighborhood standpoint, what neighborhoods are experiencing which type of problems. And we found that, you know, from a population standpoint, some of our smallest neighborhoods were had very, very different incident types and, and, and risks. And then we started to take it farther and farther down the road. All of a sudden we have now what we have is this what we call a, a neighborhood risk assessment that clearly defines the issues that are in a lot of the neighborhoods and also clearly defines what issues are not occurring at all in neighborhoods. And, and it's our that's our fruit basket because we slowly added stuff. And and to get a community risk reduction program off the ground, you just got to take that first step. You know, you got to start adding little pieces and parts and collecting it and, and sharing it. And once you get there, you, you kind of look back, and you're like, wow, we've come a really long way in the last, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 18 months. And we did it, you know, using, you know, just taking baby steps and don't try to, you know, can't do it all at once. Yeah. You don't need the whole fruit plate right off the bat. Just maybe a, exactly. a, cherry, a cherry or a kiwi. Mess you up. Yeah. No, and then, <laughs> then it, you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. And so I liked how you, you identified cooking fires from students and intersection from car accidents. And, and of course, that's going to be different for every community. But then you start talking about data, which I want to dive into where are you getting this data? How do you extrapolate this data? And how do you manage and, and put this data to use? Yeah, so that's really twofold. You know, we we have data available to us in our records management system, either from our EMS reporting that we'll pull out chief complaints and things like that and dispositions, or we're pulling it out of our inference data, you know, just our incident response data. And that's all really, really good, but more out there. You know, using some of the tools that we have available to us you know, we're pulling in open source data from the city's real estate, you know, understanding how old houses are, you know, looking at where the houses in, in our city, which houses have basements and which houses don't, you know, all of that data, you know, from the, it's really neat because our, the real estate data can tell you, 
essentially how old a house is, when it was last sold, if it has a basement, what type of roof it has, you know, when the last addition was added onto it, what type of heat it has, you know, all of this. And it starts to play a game and you take some of that stuff and put it together. You know, some of it doesn't really matter. You can push it to the side, but some of it, you know, you can put together and that's how we develop our residential risk assessment. So rather than going out and and putting smoke alarm, knocking on every door in a community to put smoke alarms in, we know exactly the houses that we want to knock on first, second, and third. You know, we have a group that's the highest priority and we have a group that's you know, the second priority and the third priority. And that's great for firefighters because all of a sudden firefighters realize that it's, it's efficient. You know, every, every door they knock on should not have a working smoke alarm based on, you know, based on data. You know, but we take the data even farther and we start you know, one of the things that we did first when we first developed our community risk reduction initiatives in Charlottesville in, in January of 2020 was we did a paper map exercise with all of our firefighters. You know, they they identified what the risks and the target hazards were. And just from a perspective of a firefighter, what is the risks and target hazards in the city? And we did it nine times. The city of Charlottesville is about 50,000. It's got four engine companies and about 150, excuse me, 115 employees. So we're relatively small. So, you know, nine times we did this map exercise and every time we did it, it was completely different. But that's data because I'm, I'm taking the perspectives of firefighters and we geocoded it and put it all into some web maps and we made some really good tools for us to track our progress with it. And that was just, that's that's a creative way to pull in data. You know, talking with social services, talking with the, the university health system, using uh, a lot of the products out of Esri, uh, their community analyst that's uh, taking marketing data and community, um, the American Community Survey information and census and getting drilling down to tell us, you know, we've got neighborhoods that, you know, that, you know, upwards of 20, 30, 40% don't have vehicles. We have neighborhoods that everybody has a registered vehicle to their home. You know, we can, there's all of this information that we can see, you know, we're even looking at the population shift in and out of these neighborhoods during the day, you know, and to just to have a better understanding of what our firefighters are facing every day. Thanks for that context. And and obviously there's just, even within your own city, it's amazing to see the different challenges that are facing you could look at data from car ownership to proximity to public transit, transit to, you know, whether there's a smoke alarm or a basement. These are all little variables that are useful to know to then figure out what, what might be a risk and then how can we reduce that risk? You know, one of the things that we just uh, we just partnered with the uh, University of Virginia's um, School of Data Science. They've got two cap- master's level capstone teams that are taking essentially everything that we did with our with our neighborhood risk assessment, with all that five years worth of data, response data, and they're applying some some actual data science to it and to really understand what's going on and why it's happening. And so we're super excited for the fall to see what uh, what those teams are able to uh, extract. And I think that data is so important to be able to have, to be able to show me, not just tell me the proof. And I think that's maybe some of the challenge before is a lot of this has been subjective and qualitative, but is there any example that you can think of where there was a, a problem, whether it was kitchen fires or bike accidents, and then some type of community risk reduction initiative was put into place that then yeah, yeah. actually should reduce data, whether it's in Charlottesville or some other place in the country? Yeah, so I'll use a Charlottesville example, and, and we're uh, you know we're moving forward with a lot of different things and a lot of different ways with a risk assessment. But so... 
So one of the big examples that I can use is that when we, um, we've got this robust neighborhood risk assessment that is public facing, I'm happy to share it with the listeners. But one of the things that it says is that we don't have a citywide problem with pedestrians versus pedestrians getting hit in crosswalks. And there was a, a community group that came forward and said, hey, fire department, we don't understand why you're not providing a citywide initiative for crossing safety. So we have a great relationship with the uh, with the community group. We sat down with them. We showed them the neighborhood risk assessment. And we said that out of the all of the intersections in the city, there's only three that really people are getting hit at most often. And that's where we need to focus our efforts. We need to focus on the population that uses those intersections and we need to focus on the intersections. So we're going to start working with our with our city partners and with our and, and the local nonprofits to start to do that. But what other agencies have done, like Prescott, Arizona, is a really good example because, and this kind of alludes into this, one of the other you know key benefits of, of community risk reduction. And it's all about partnerships. You know, Prescott, Arizona, was seeing a huge um, incidence of people getting hit by cars at these blind alleys. And Prescott is an old western town, and some really tight streets and some blind alleys where cars would inch out. To, uh, um, to see around the corner of a building before they pulled out in the traffic. Well, people were on their phones and they're walking down the sidewalk and they're looking down. They don't see the car coming out and they get hit by the car or they hit the car. So they're not so much their fire department, but it's 100% community risk reduction. Their public works department, the folks that were maintaining streets and sidewalks went out and at, at every intersection that had similar characteristics, they painted on the ground. It just said, look up. It's essentially eliminated um, I don't I don't remember the numbers, but it was upwards of more than 90 percent eliminated the people getting hit by cars. And Wilmington, North Carolina's fire department had a great social media post. I think it was last summer that where their firefighters were out at similar intersections, painting, cleaning the sidewalk and painting on the sidewalk saying, hey, stop, look, you know, and before you cross. Because a lot of times we get we get, you know, it's it's part of our part of today's culture. And we we have to acknowledge that people are looking at their phones and we do it while we're driving and we do it while we're walking. And sometimes we we make great YouTube videos of walking into a, a fountain or walking into a closed door. It's the same thing. And we can address that kind of stuff with community risk reduction. And you mentioned uh, social media usage, but I'm also kind of this is maybe a blanket question from social media usage and also technology usage. How is more not just the data, but how are different types of technology and I guess social media, as an example, maybe being used as a new way to educate and engage with the community on particular problems. Yeah. So, at, you know, social media is a really good example of how we can do that and, and use the, the the elements of community risk reduction to focus it. So the city of Charlottesville uses a... Uh, um, uses essentially a, a, a social media calendar. We know exactly the things based on what happens in the city, based on, you know, the UVA, UVA's move-in dates, based on, you know, concerts, based on stuff like that. Once we get back to doing stuff, you know, concerts and, and big, large gatherings, um, our social media is, is focused around that. And, and the few folks within our organization that, that handle social media, we have all of the content and messaging already spun up for 95% of the, the, uh, the weeks. So we know that the first real cold, first cold night of the, of the winter, the next morning, we're likely going to have um, some fire alarms because of broken sprinkler pipes. So we message our community with um, our, our business community to make sure that you're, you're, you're managing and, and maintaining your sprinkler system. You know, we had a, a rash of dryer fires in restaurants, you know, an exorbitant amount of dryer fires in restaurants during COVID and after COVID because the uh, 
the third-party laundry service was no longer available in the city to dry their clothes on off-site in a big commercial dryer. So the, the restaurants were washing them in the back and they would throw them in the dryer and these greasy towels that never really got clean would light on fire in the dryer. Um, and our investigators identified it and, and we, we started um, some very specific campaigns to, to engage all of our businesses. I and mean, we worked with the, you know, the, the commissioner of revenue to make sure that we were engaging the you know, all of the restaurants, not just the restaurants that we knew about. And that's all community risk reduction. We're, you know, it's dryer fires in restaurants is not a problem across the nation, but it is a problem in Charlottesville. And, and we're, uh, and we, we're pushing hard over the next uh, nine months to make sure that everybody sees it on a couple of different platforms. That's actually a fascinating example of, of how COVID caused a unique domino effect of a new risk that we didn't even know about until it happened. And I'm sure there's maybe a, a library of these different external domino effects that happen. Maybe just a, a quick kind of note on COVID and how it's currently impacted the community risk reduction efforts. And then even moving forward, give me a little context on how COVID has, has changed the game for better or for worse. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things that came out of COVID was collaboration. And especially within the community risk reduction world, we... Uh, we lost out on going to conferences and sitting down at a bar and talking to people and making notes on a uh, on a napkin and solving essentially all of the world's problems on on a napkin um, and and having these great ideas and, and fleshing them all out and we lost that so you know everybody has started a lot of people within their communities have started working virtually and everybody was okay on Zoom so we capitalized on that and and the the, the leaders within the community risk reduction realm started getting together every other month. Um, for 90 minutes. And, and there's not an agenda to it. We ask one question at the very beginning, and then we cut everybody off in, in 90 minutes. And, and we talk about stuff just like this. You know, we start, we start looking at what other people are doing and sharing ideas and figuring out how we can fix it. And so the collaboration has, has been huge for us because, you know, the, the school of data science, you know, we've got people from all over the country that are working with us on their data and we're doing it all on Zoom. You know, we're, we, we are now okay with environments like, like what we're doing now over a podcast or over Zoom or over a phone call, where before we would, we would say, oh, we probably can't do that because we're not, we're not in person. So, you know, it's the, the technology is there that we can capitalize on. And, and community risk reduction is all about technology and it's all about technology application. And that's where we, we've got to push you know, forward with, our, um, with this idea of CRR and this mindset and culture change of CRR in our industry. Great points on the culture change. And then particularly, you hear it in the management realm where you can, you can have an idea, but it's, it's the, the actual change management and implementation of whatever management policy you're talking about. Same as the technology, it's technology, comma, technology application. So with that technology application, I mean, you've alluded to a little bit with social media, but is there anything that you're excited about or anything that you're kind of looking for from a technology perspective that could be applied better, that could maybe help enhance CRR initiatives within your efforts or other CRR efforts around the country? Yeah, and it, it really comes back down to the foundation of community risk reduction. You know, the with all of our, our vendor partners out there and all the people that support the fire service in all of these ways, you know, we still have a really hard time. Um, a lot of fire departments have a really hard time, you know, developing a risk assessment and developing and, and then you know, taking that risk assessment and communicating among their organization. You know, we have a hard time, especially within in the front seats of fire trucks of sharing data that is relevant and timely to the situation, but also being able to collect data from the windshield of a fire truck. You know, 
CRRs, a lot of the applications of, of community risk reduction come along with technology. And if a company officer goes, goes to a goes to a house and sees somebody that is that has hoarding conditions and it has an adult with special needs and it has a and there's somebody that's uh, that's confined to a bed on the second floor in the AB corner. That's information that we want to have, and we want to have that. We want to be able to collect it while we're there, and we want to have it at three o'clock in the morning. But it's it, well, a lot of times what happens is that that company officer knows about that that uh, that address or knows about that occupancy, but he's the one that knows it, and his crew knows it. But B shift or A shift comes down the road, and they don't know. So it's all about having that common operating picture. It's it's really it's it's using data and sharing information the best way that we possibly can so that firefighters and and organizational decision makers can can have good uh, good data to make the decisions that they need to make within their own job and their capacity yeah it seems like it's a lot of trying to engage with the community to get a, a picture of the risk and, and allow first responders to be able to have that information and then of course that ties into incident command and, and actual response but I think CRR in a lot of ways is sort of the the proactive step one to everything. And, it is, absolutely. And I feel like when I've done these trade shows and I've walked around, I've seen a lot of these, maybe it's been the same way for a while and it's just a piece of the puzzle from the, whether it's the Sparky the Dog, Sparky the Bear, coloring books and pamphlets. You know, Is that CRR or is that, you know, where does that kind of engagement, you mentioned partnerships and engagement, but what about, how we engage with with different populations in terms of educating them in a particular way. Yes. Yeah, so all of that stuff that we see at trade shows can be CRR, right? But it's not community to me. And and this may rough, you know, this always ruffles feathers when we have when we have conversations like that. You know, the stuff that we see at trade shows and in, in public education and in, in, you know in fire prevention and code enforcement, all of that stuff could be CRR if we do it in the right way and we match the programs and service delivery models to our community. Right. So if I, uh, this is, I mean, it's a relevant example. It's probably because a lot of us do it. You know, we take coloring books out and we, and, um, and they're great. We give them to all the kids, but you know, when we go to the neighborhood, all of these kids speak Spanish, right. And the kids can color in it. And, and a lot of times the kids speak English far, uh, much, much earlier than the adults do, if they, especially if it's an immigrant family. But, you know, the messages that we're giving them are all in English. And, and that's a there's a need to provide them, obviously, with Spanish materials. And, and a lot of times we don't have it. But if we do a risk assessment and we identify that, you know, this neighborhood has a high incidence of Russian speaking families, this one has a high incidence of, of Spanish speaking families, you know, working with our schools, the schools are the best place to find out what languages are being spoken and where and then we tailor our all those things that we see at at, at, um, at trade shows. Then we bring that back, and we're like, "Well, this this section here is good for this neighborhood. You know, this packet here is good for this neighborhood." And you're not you're just not handing stuff out. You're handing things out that that are meaningful to the community and match the match the need. Yeah, it seems like it all serves a purpose if applied correctly. If absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so one last thing I wanted to touch on was was a program that I have seen a lot in the media. And something that seems like people are talking about is the whole Vision 2020 initiative. Can you just kind of like I asked you earlier, what is CRR? Just tell me what what is Vision 2020, and and you know, just give me a little more context on it. Yeah, yeah. So Vision 2020 is an amazing organization. They've um, my dates may not be right, but they've been around since about 2005 or 2006. And the uh, and the mothers and fathers of Vision 2020 did an amazing job. You know, in 2005, 2006, in pushing our industry to start thinking differently and 
and starting to talk about risk assessments and starting to create some very national strategies for making fire departments understand that, that we can't do the same thing we've always done in the past. We need to, we need to be different. So Vision 2020 is a, is a, it's a grant-funded organization with lots and lots of fire service leaders there to, as steering committee members and, and some retired folks that are, that are running the program. It provides a very nice guide to community risk assessment and community risk reduction. You know, strategicfire.org is the uh, their website, and they'll take you to all of Vision 2020's resources. It's, it's a great place to go for, you know, if, if you want to print door hangers or coloring books, or not coloring books, but door hangers or flyers or pamphlets and stuff like that in multiple different languages, you can do that and you can get your own logos on it. And, you know, there's there's so many partnerships that Vision 2020 has fostered to make this so successful and to drive their strategies home into, into these organizations. You know, they, they do a good job of, of taking the grants that they've received and delivering these, these meaningful outputs. It makes it available to everybody. There's a, there's a Vision 2020 data hub, data discovery hub that gets down into the census level and will provide your community a very good risk assessment of what's happening based on census in your community. And, it, and that's a great place to start because, you know, take what Vision 2020 has as a guide for community risk reduction and take their, their data discovery hub and start to build your own risk assessment. It's an amazing organization, and, and I'm so excited to have that as a resource for Charlottesville because they've. I owe a lot of what I've done in community risk reduction back to the all of the folks that that have uh, have made Vision 2020 what it is today. Awesome, and we we will make sure to put that in the show notes. So, two kind of questions that I want to ask you, and it's sort of, an, an, I want you to ask the community is that we have a lot of fire service members that listen to this, as well as a lot of entrepreneurs and technologists. Two sides, and you can address them differently. What would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs and aspiring technologists about how they could get involved to assist within CRR initiatives? And then on the other side, from fire departments, what would you say to fire departments that are on the fence or interested in CRR, but maybe are kind of waiting on the fence to start? So let's start with entrepreneurs. The, uh, the future of the fire department and the way that we make a sustainable industry is through community risk reduction. The way that we change the mindset of, of city council and city managers that the fire department is all about law, community loss, and it's, a, and it's a huge, essentially a huge liability to a city, you know, based on because all we're doing is we're dumping money into it and we're not getting a lot out of it. You use community risk reduction and all of a sudden with good practices of community risk reduction and good communication within your community, all of a sudden you become a community investment. And, and the fire department is not just sitting in firehouses waiting for the next structure fire. They're out. They're engaging. They're providing the services. They're fostering partnerships. They're communicating you know, with all of the, the city partners and things start happening. But from an entrepreneur standpoint, we need help doing that and we need help you know, getting the data and creating these risk assessments and, and taking those little incremental approaches to, uh, to getting it down the road. You know, we have to be able to share the data that we're, we have with our community. And that's really, really hard for all fire departments to do because, you know, we were so understaffed. You know, from a, from a firefighter standpoint, you know, the one thing that I always tell people to do is understand the definitions of community risk reduction. CRR is not the fire marshal's office. And I know we've, we've kind of beat this. It's a dead horse that we're beating. But it's community risk reduction is not the fire marshal's office. And it's not a name change for fire prevention. It's a wholesale change to the organization. And I'm, and I'm really, really proud of, of the Charlottesville Fire Department because over the last 18 months, we've changed the culture of, of our firefighter. And 
don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, the community risk reduction is still something that's that's a difficult thing to swallow within Charlottesville, but but we are starting to see like real changes in our with our firefighters and our company officers that are rotting fire trucks that are doing things because it's right for the city and it, and it makes most sense in this neighborhood. And it's all because we changed the definition. You know, we are now understand, and I say we we as a, as our organization understand what community risk reduction is, and we understand what it's not. And I really challenge folks that are listening that you know if they thought that community risk reduction was was fire prevention, just rebranded. That's not at all what it is. And, and, you know, do a little bit of research, get out and, and understand a little bit more and see what you can do in your community. And I think you'll quickly realize how much potential is out there to, um, to really make a difference. Joe, so well put and well said. I've only got like two pages of notes here and, and different things that I'm excited to take more action on, but you truly are a, just a trailblazer when it comes to implementing CRR and getting tangible, tangible value to the community. So thank you for all you're doing. And I guess lastly, if, if people wanted to ever get in touch with you or engage with you, what would be the best way to for people to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, anybody's always welcome to, to reach out to me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. If you're not following me on LinkedIn, that's a really great place to see some of the stuff that we're doing, either from a from a Charlottesville level or we're doing it at a, at a more national level. You know, my email address, uh, can I give you my email address and you post it somewhere? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's powers at charlottesville.gov and Joe Power, or it's, and my Gmail is joepowers2028 at gmail.com. And I'll share those with you and you can, you know, stick them on your, uh, on the podcast too. Joe, appreciate what you're doing and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, I really appreciate the invite and I'm glad that we could share some of the stuff uh, that Great Charlottesville Fire Department's doing for our community. Well, you're all Thank doing you very great. much. Appreciate it. And thanks for everybody for listening. Yeah. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day and together we can advance the future of smart firefighting.